Today, we are in week two of our series called At The Movies. It's by far our most popular series of the year where we take a modern day movie and learn spiritual truths that we can apply to our everyday lives. Unfortunately, due to copyright laws, we're not able to show those movies to our online audience. However, for those of you who can't join us in person for At The Movies, we're doing something called our Throwback Summer Online Series, where we're gonna feature some of our most popular messages over the past few years that we know will encourage you and challenge you in some key areas in your life. Today's message is called, Love Is Not Easily Angered, from our Summer of Love series based on 1 Corinthians 13. We pray this powerful message will speak to your heart. Well, I'm going to begin um, today by addressing a topic that's continuing in this summer series of love. And we're really unpacking 1 Corinthians 13, which is often referred to as the love chapter. And one of the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love is not easily angered. It's not easily angered. And we're going to unpack the whole issue of anger because I think a lot of us wrestle with this, maybe this topic more than we care to realize or even admit. In fact, uh, Men's Health Magazine did a study uh, several years ago. They, uh, they did a study of the top 100 cities in America. Guess who was ranked number one as the angriest city in America? Yours truly, Orlando. I mean, amazing how we have been tagged or labeled as the angriest city in America. And I'm fascinated by that whole study because it's like, why? I mean, why us? I mean, what's our problem? And so when you think about it, you know, a lot of people are just um, carrying around maybe this chip on their shoulder, unresolved anger, and they contributed some of those things. You can go online and look at the study for yourself. But one of the things that contributed to, of course, was all the construction, traffic, um, just the anxiety and the stress and all that that provokes. It creates a lot of anger. A lot of people obviously are displaced here in Orlando. Um, a lot of people from literally all over the world come here, and a lot of them are displaced from family, and, and there's a lot of fear, a lot of a lot of um, concern related to um, just challenges and, and circumstances and situations that a lot of people find themselves into. And so with that, um, there's a sense of unresolved anger and angst that a lot of people just live with and struggle with on a day-by-day basis. But I think perhaps most importantly for us to understand here today is that anger is considered to be probably one of the most misunderstood as well as mis appropriated or applied emotions that maybe we, we care to admit. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of people feel or believe that anger is a sin. Well, I just want to say for the record, biblically speaking, anger is not a sin. As a matter of fact, the emotion of anger, the capacity to even be angry was given to us by God, our Creator. And so we've got to understand it's not necessarily that anger is a sin. No, it's, it's, it's really how, how we deal with sin. It's what we do with sin. And I think what happens for a lot of people, they fail to realize that there are times that even God gets angry. But here's the thing. Anger can also be a proof, a sign, maybe a sign or a proof or even serve as evidence of our love, especially when it comes to our love for one another. You say, how's that? Well, if somebody were to do something to my wife or do something to one of my three children, they did something to hurt them or to harm them, guess what? That would make me angry. I mean, I'd be coming after you. 
But the thing you got to realize is that if I did not respond with the emotion of anger because someone hurt someone that I deeply love and care about, like my wife or my three children, if I didn't get angry over that, you would look at me and say, bro, you have a problem. You would say, what is wrong with you? Don't you even feel anything? I mean, you are, I mean, you are apathetic. You don't even care. And I think that's another thing a lot of people misunderstand about anger is that a lot of people feel like the opposite of anger is hate. But that's not true. No, the opposite of anger, excuse me, excuse, I'm sorry, the, the opposite of love is hate. But a lot of people don't realize, no, the opposite of love is what? It's, it's apathy. It's indifference. It's that I don't care type of mindset and men mentality. So we got to realize when it comes to the issue of anger, anger is not a sin, but it's how, it's how people deal or choose to deal with the issue or emotion of anger in their hearts and in their lives. In fact, there's a good side of anger. There's a righteous anger. Remember when Moses went up to meet with God on Mount Sinai? You know, here he was standing in the presence of God. And yet when he came down from Mount Sinai, what was he holding in his hand? He, he was holding the Ten Commandments. He had the Ten Commandments written on those tablets of stone. And so here he is. He'd just been in the presence of God. He had heard direction from God, a vision from God. And, and therefore, he's coming back down the mountain, and he's going to convey to the people what God had instructed him to share with them. Well, during this time, rather than the people of Israel waiting patiently for Moses to come back down and to deliver the message of God, you know what they did? They turned everything toward themselves. And they started griping and complaining to Aaron and said, hey, where's Moses? Man, he's been up there forever. Hey, forget that guy. Hey, Aaron, won't you make a golden calf or an idol for us to worship and so when Moses came back down from the mountain holding the Ten Commandments in his hand, what does he walk into? He walks into chaos. He sees the people of Israel who had turned towards themselves. And what did they do? They found the false idols to worship instead of worshiping the one true God. And in, the Bible says, and in his anger, Moses, he shattered the Ten Commandments because he was so angry at the people for the rebellion and disobedience. Same is true with Jesus when he was here on earth. Remember what he did in the temple? He walked into the temple. And rather than the people worshiping and honoring God in the temple, he had kicked out the money changers because they were, they were the local merchants who had set up tables and they were selling. It was, like a, it was like a glorified garage sale in the temple. And they were using and abusing the platform of the temple for selfish gain. And so Jesus turned over the money changers and he kicked them out of the church. Why? Because... It was a righteous anger. They had chosen to respond in a dishonoring and a holy way. They had impure motives. And so we got to realize that, you know, there's a right way and there is a wrong way to deal with the issue of anger. And the problem is not necessarily anger itself. It's how we deal with it. So let's unpack it for a moment. There's an incredible story in the book of Genesis. And it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. We see that... You know, there, there are two individuals, Cain and Abel. They happen to be the, the sons of Adam and Eve. And so the Bible says, in fact, one was a, one was a, a, a farmer, uh, one was a, was a shepherd. And so the Bible says these words. It said, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops. He was the farmer. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel, who happened to be the shepherd, also brought a gift, the best portions 
of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And he said, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, because sin will be crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And what you've got to realize is this. In this moment, Cain, he had a choice to make. He was either going to allow the love that he had in his heart for, for God, for his brother, for his family, for his parents, to do what was right and most honorable to God, or he could choose to take matters in his own hands. And what we see in this situation is that he chose to take matter in his, matters in his own hands. And the reason why is because anger had filled his heart. And because it had filled his heart, he took matters in his own hands because he wanted to take revenge and he wanted to pay his brother back. Now, we don't know why Cain's offering was unacceptable to God. It may have been the fact that he came with an offering with the impure heart. It may have been the fact that he presented an offering that was unacceptable in terms of God's standards and what God desired and as a result he brought something less desirable again we don't know why but what we do know is that he chose to handle the issue of anger in his heart the wrong way and as a result he took it out on his brother to the point of extreme measures and ultimately killed him now I know for a lot of us maybe you know in our hearts that's not necessarily where we are on those type of extreme measures I hope nobody's here like that but I do want to just say this. The reason why this topic is so important is simply because it does control a lot of people more so than they care to admit. As a matter of fact, the only reason why we're spending this entire summer of dealing with the subject of love is because I believe, listen, God wants us to be better lovers. Listen, God wants us to learn how to love better and shine brighter so that we can be a brighter testimony to a world that's confused, that's living in spiritual moral darkness, that's looking for people like you and me who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ and they're looking for somebody to be real and genuine and authentic, someone who actually lives what they say they believe and someone who's living a life that is fully pleasing to where a lost and a dying world says, I don't know who they are, I don't know what it is, but whatever they got, I want some of it. And so we've got to live in such a way to where our lives are different from the norm. Our lives are different from the people of this world. Why? Because God has called us to live differently and be differently. And when we live a life that is fully pleasing to God, here's the key. The key is this. We will let love control our anger rather than allowing anger to control how we love. Did you get that? So here's the key. We've got to let love control our anger rather than allowing our anger to control how we love, who we love, because then it becomes conditional. And so the thing we got to realize is this, anger is highly controllable. In other words, you choose whether or not you're going to get angry. No one can make you mad without your permission. Think about that for a moment. No one can make you get angry. I can't say, okay, on the count of three, let's all get angry. One, two, three. Let's all get angry. 
No. Nobody forces you to get angry. It's a choice that we make, and ultimately, it's an issue that many of us struggle with in our hearts. So how do we tame our temper? Well, before we even answer that question, I want to give you some fun facts. This is interesting. And I think one of the things we have to realize is that when we understand the importance of taming our temper and understanding this whole issue of anger, we have to first and foremost ask ourselves the question, here's the first key that I want us to talk about today, and that is we have to ask ourselves the question and understand what is it that's making me angry? So that's the first thing. Understand what is it that's causing us to, to feel angry? What is it that's causing that, that's, that, that emotion that wells up within our hearts? Well, studies show that the average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. This is interesting. Women get angry with people. Men get angry with things. Something's not working right. It's broke. What in the world just happened? But because women are relational more so than men, they tend to get angrier at people because of the hurt that goes along with that. Single adults get angry twice as often as married adults. Men are more physical with their anger. You normally don't see a woman slamming her fist, you know, into a wall. But you'll see some bonehead dude doing that. Like, bro, what is the problem? So what happens is we all express our emotion of anger in different ways. Listen to this. And, and this is kind of interesting. And it's somewhat kind of a no-brainer. But where is the place or environment that we are most likely to get angry? It's at home. So often what happens is we get angry with the people that we love and care about the most. And so what we have to realize is that anger is controllable, but here's the thing. We have to allow love to control our anger rather than letting anger control how we love. Can I just say one thing about marriages? Because I believe that successful marriages don't just happen, obviously. But here's the thing about successful marriages. Successful marriages and those marriages that go the distance does not mean the reason why they're successful is because anger doesn't exist. No, what they've learned to realize is that over time, in the course of that relationship, there's going to be moments that provoke and create anger. But they've learned how to tame their temper. They've learned how to control their anger rather than allowing anger to control their lives and their relationship and their marriage. And so we've got to learn how to deal with this issue of anger. And here's the reason why. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, this is the underscore of all the verses. And that is, love is not easily, what? Angered. So when we have love in our heart, when we love God, and we're loving people, because we're allowing God's love to flow through us, and what's in you is going to flow through you, then we're not going to be as easily angered. We're not going to just fly off the handle when somebody disses us or somebody, you know, does something to us. No, we're going to, we're going to respond in a way that is more Christ-honoring. So 
What is it that causes us to be angry? Proverbs 29 verse 22 says it this way. The source of strife is found, listen carefully, in an angry heart. So it's a heart issue. For sin surrounds the life of a furious man or furious person. So we got to realize that at some point, something happens. Somebody does something. And as a result, the emotion of anger, it begins to to make its way in our hearts. And so what typically what causes anger is this. There are three warning lights or symptoms, and the first is hurt. In other words, somebody does something to us, somebody says something to us. And if we're not careful, whatever it is that somebody does, and whatever it is that some, something that perhaps somebody says that we take personal and we find offense in, we can harbor that in our hearts. And there are extreme cases, obviously, when somebody, when somebody may abuse us. And what happens is we are hurt deeply. And so we, we, we harbor this hurt. This, this, this hurt begins to make its way into our, our heart. And, and then all of a sudden that, that hurt turns into an emotion of anger. And we want to pay someone back. We want to get even. And the reason why we're, 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 we're wanting to pay someone back or to make someone suffer is because, hey, you've hurt me. And I'm going to make sure that you feel the same hurt that I feel. It's the reason why you often hear the statement, hurting people hurt people. So we got to realize that underneath the anger is often deep-seated hurt. And so hurt is a major warning light that we have to recognize when we feel that angst or that anger in our hearts. Another thing is frustration. You know, I don't think, for me personally, I can honestly say that, you know, it's easy sometimes to get frustrated over things or get frustrated with people. And if we're not careful... You know, what it is maybe is we're, we're, we're angry on the inside and it manifests itself through frustration. And what is it that causes people to get frustrated? Well, we have, maybe we have a goal. We, we have something that we're striving to achieve. There's something that's in front of us and we're pursuing it. But all of a sudden, something or someone stands in the way. Someone keeps us from moving forward and obtaining whatever it is we're trying to achieve. And whatever it is that's blocking, whatever it is that's keeping us from that, causes us to feel extreme frustration. Case in point, I was traveling not long ago, and I'll never forget, I had to go through Atlanta uh, to get my connecting flight. And I don't know if you know this, but you're going to have to go through Atlanta to get to heaven. So it's just like... <laughs> It's automatic. You got to go through Atlanta to get anywhere. So I'm going to Atlanta and I'm freaking out because I already knew that I was going to be really pushing it to catch my connecting flight. And so the thing that I was so excited about and looking forward to is that there was a pastor um, friend of mine and he's, he's one of the most influential pastors in America. And uh, he's always been uh, just a role model. He's a huge, huge uh, inspiration to my life. And he literally had blocked his whole day, and he was just going to dedicate his day to me. So it was a huge honor. I was just so excited about it. And so I bought the ticket, had to go through Atlanta. And so on my way to the next terminal, after I arrived in Atlanta, I, I looked, you know, up at the screens to see exactly what gate it was. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, it's at the very end. 
So I am running, I, you know, I'm on the tram, I get off the tram, go up the escalator, look at the gates, all the way at the end, and I'm already like, I got sweat just, I mean, just beating down my forehead, and I am running as fast as I can, and I was freaking out because I knew that I was probably not going to make it. And so as I'm huffing and puffing, I finally walked up to the, excuse me, ran up to the gate, and the lady there, I, I said, I hear, here's my boarding pass, I'm here, I mean, I couldn't hardly even talk, I mean, I had dry mouth, I mean, the whole night yards and so the lady said sir I'm sorry we've already closed the door I said ma'am I said the plane is right there she said I understand that she said but for security measures I cannot allow you through the door I said ma'am you don't understand as though you know my you know my case was real really important I said ma'am you don't understand I said look it wasn't my fault that the plane that I was just on was behind and she said, sir, I understand, but she said, you've got to understand, I cannot allow you through that gate. Well, I began to get ticked. I was ticked at her. I was ticked at the airlines. And so I went and sat down, and I'm just like confused, frustrated, mad. I was like, what in the world am I going to do? And unfortunately, there were no more flights for me to get on that was going to get me to Dallas. That was my last shot. Well, the plane was delayed. So the plane sat there at the gate for another 15 minutes. I walked back up to the lady. I said, ma'am, my plane is right there and it's been sitting there for nearly 30 minutes. She said, sir, I'm sorry, but I cannot allow you through that gate. I said, well, ma'am, there's gonna be a special place in heaven for you one day. So, no, just kidding, I didn't say that. I wanted to say there was another place, but that wouldn't have been a good testimony. But you know, frustration is one of those feelings and emotions where, gosh, it's just, it's hard sometimes because you're thinking, wow, something or somebody is keeping me from experiencing or achieving or arriving at a place or destination that I'm wanting to arrive. We get deeply, deeply frustrated. So hurt, frustration is a huge, huge warning light or signal that, or symptom that helps us understand that, hey, there's, there's something not right. There's some anger that we're harboring in our hearts. But another reason why people get angry and one of the other key symptoms is fear and insecurity. I mean, think about it for a moment. When, in fact, anger and insecurity, they always go hand in hand. So when someone in a relationship is, is, is made to feel insecure, if someone even is maybe fearing about the circumstances, um, maybe about their future, maybe their finances, a relationship, uh, maybe their job situation, if someone is growing fearful, if someone is growing insecure, chances are they're harboring some anger in their heart because of something that is beyond their control. And I don't know about you, but when you're in a situation like I find myself in from time to time, when I feel like I can't control a situation, I can't control the outcome, what does it do? It causes me to feel insecure. It causes me to, to grow fearful. And the, through the fear and through the insecurity, I'm often angry or mad because I'm in a place or in a situation. Maybe it's a timing issue, and I'm, I'm angry over the fact that this is happening and it's something that I don't want to happen. And I'm fearful about what's going to result or what's going to come from it. And as a result it causes us to grow angry so there are all kinds of situations and circumstances but here's what proverbs teach us 
Proverbs 19, verse 11, I love what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, good sense and discretion. Good sense and discretion. In other words, the Amplified also goes on to say that, that wisdom, that wisdom can make a man or a person slow to anger. And it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking a revenge and harboring resentment. So when you think about our response to this whole issue or emotion of anger, what we got to realize is this. Before we act out, we got to ask ourselves a question and understand what is it that's causing me to feel angry? Is it fear, insecurity, is it frustration, is it hurt? Because those are symptoms, those are warning lights that should get our attention to say, hey, there's a underlying issue here that we need to be aware of before we act out in a way that is not only going to be displeasing and dishonoring to God, but it potentially could be hurtful and dishonoring to someone else. And so that's the second thing we got to realize is that we have to give our anger to God rather than acting on it. So we have to give our anger to God rather than acting on it. Ephesians 4 verses 26 and 27 says it this way. And don't sin by letting anger control you. So again, there's nothing wrong with getting angry. There's, there's, there is a, there's, a, there's an emotion. Anger is emotion given to us by God. So anger in and of itself is not sin. But here's how it becomes sin. It becomes sin... When anger controls us. So now all of a sudden, anger is taking control over our emotions. And when anger begins to rage because it's now seated in our hearts, it not only takes over our emotions, but it eventually will, it will take over and control our behavior. We begin to act out on it in un ungodly and unhealthy and even destructive ways. So don't sin by letting anger control you and don't let the sun Go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So the moment you allow hurt, frustration, fear, insecurity to harbor in your heart, and you begin to think about that, dwell upon that, all of a sudden now you're carrying that anger inside of you. It's now controlling you. And when that anger begins to control you, here's what begins to happen. You are now basically giving a free license for the enemy, for Satan, to take matters in his hands, and he's going to use you as the vehicle to act out and do something in a way that's going to be very unhealthy and very destructive. And not only will you pay for it, but the people around you will pay for it. And so that's the reason why we have to realize that, you know what, we've got to give our anger to God. So, there are four ways that we can act, act out or act on the emotion of anger, and three of them are highly, highly destructive and unproductive and unhealthy. And the first, the way that a lot of people act out in the issue of anger is simply by suppressing it. In other words, they hold it in. They just kind of bottle it up. Bottle it up. It's kind of like a Coke can. If I had a Coke can, I started to shake it, and all of a sudden I opened it up, it would spew everywhere. And that's what happens with a lot of people is they just kind of, they just, you know, they can, only, they can only hold it in for so long until eventually it's kind of like explodes. And that's not good. We've all been on the receiving end when that happens. And so a lot of people just suppress it. They just hold it in until they can't contain it any longer. 
And then a lot of people, they repress it. In other words, they're angry, but they are living in denial over the fact that they're angry. But what's crazy is that those same people who are denying the fact that they're angry usually wear it all over themselves. I mean, they, they, they carry their emotions. They wear their emotions on their sleeve, and you'll, you'll notice it, and you'll approach them and say, hey, everything okay? Something doesn't seem right. Is, you know, are, are, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with me. Why are you even asking me that? You know what I'm saying? They're just like, okay. Yes, everything's okay. But then you have people who express it. And these are the people who just fly off at the handle. These are the people that will say the very first thing that comes off the top of their head. These are the people who will, who will act out and do something that ultimately they will soon regret. And the reason why is because they're not thinking before they even say something or even act out. They're just allowing the emotion of rage and anger to basically just overflow through them. And so here's the thing. Hey, tension and temper always go together. So when a person is under tension, stress, you know, they're carrying a lot. I mean, it doesn't take much for them just, I mean, you just tap them and then you're going to push them over the edge. And so they're like a walking time bomb and they're just going to express their anger in different ways. And often it's very unhealthy and, un, and unproductive and very destructive. So those are the three ways that we can, we can basically deal with anger, act out on anger. But they're the, they're the kind of ways that are dishonoring to God. But there's a right way to act on our anger. And that is simply by confessing it. You know what we do? We, we admit to ourselves first and foremost that, hey, hey I've either I've been hurt and there's just something going on that's causing me frustration. There's something maybe that's, that's causing me to grow fearful and insecure about something that's going on in my life. And so I'm recognizing that. I'm, I'm reading the warning lights. But I'm admitting it to myself. And then ultimately, I'm taking it to God. I'm saying, God, listen, you're bigger than my problems. God, I know I'm angry, but God, I don't want I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't to turn this anger into sin. God, I, I don't want anger to have control over me. God, I want you to be in control of my life. And it's amazing that when we do that, here's what the scripture says in Romans 5, 15, verse 5. It says, may the patience and encouragement that come from God, I love that. Where does patience and encouragement come from? Where does it come from? It comes from God. So if you need encouragement and you need patience to be able to hold back the anger of retaliating, and expressing it in an unhealthy way, then go to God. Why? Because he is the source of encouragement and patience in our lives. Because it comes from him. Because he'll allow you and me to live in harmony with one another the way Christ Jesus wants. You know, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I use this passage a lot when I'm doing a wedding with a couple. And I always will read this. And I like to read it in the message paraphrase translation when I'm doing a wedding. But right out of the gate, when it begins to define or describe and give a visual picture of what love is, the very first thing 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is what? It's patient. Love is patient. And that's what we need to ask God for. God, give me more patience. God, give me more self-control. 
Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says it this way, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So when we're, listen, when we're being controlled by the Holy Spirit, when we're walking in the Spirit, we're being led by the Spirit. I like to say it this way. When we're practicing His presence in our lives, here's the outcome of that. The outcome is that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control will be the characteristics that shines brightly in our lives. You see, the goal is for us to love better and to shine brighter. So if we're going to shine brighter by allowing love to bring patience and gentleness and peace and self-control kindness and all those other attributes and by the way those characteristics the fruit of the spirit is who jesus is if you if you want to know what jesus was like what jesus is like he's all those things wrapped up in a person and i don't know about you but that's what i pray for first corinthians 10 13 says it this way the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand so again anger is a choice so when you are tempted to lash out to verbally fight back to do something to get even to express your anger in a healthy ungodly destructive, ineffective way, when you're tempted to do that, God always provides a way out. You don't have to choose a path that gives the devil a foothold. You know why? Because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's paved a way for victory. It's paved a way for freedom. It's paved a way to do what is honorable and pleasing to God. And so it says, and God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Imagine what it would be like if every person in this room would respond to the emotion of hurt, frustration, fear, insecurity in a way that says, God, you're bigger than all of these emotions. God, you're bigger than these hurts. God, you're bigger than these people. God, you're bigger than the circumstances and the problems that I'm facing in my life. And God, even though I feel hurt, God, even though I'm extremely frustrated and I don't understand, I feel like the wheels are coming off and things are completely out of control. God, I just know that you're bigger than all my problems. And God, I'm releasing this to you. Imagine what would happen if that was our response. Imagine what would happen if couples learned to respond to one another that way. Imagine if a husband and wife said, you know what, I'm hurt. This is how I'm feeling. I'm frustrated about where things are. You know, I'm fearful. I'm, I, I, I'm feeling insecure right now. But you know what, because of these emotions, I want us to do what's gonna be honorable to each other and to God. Let's make these wrongs right. I want you to enter into my world. I want to enter into your world and let's love one another and let's work through these difficulties. Let's allow these difficulties and this conflict, let's allow this to be used to cause us to grow stronger and to be better rather than to grow bitter 
Imagine if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ lived in such a way where the outside world that looks in saw the way we lived. Let me tell you something. We live in a different world. I believe with all of my heart, this is God's will. He wants you and he wants me to live a life of love. Why? Because we need to allow love and use love to control our anger rather than allowing anger to control how we love. Let's let love be our highest goal, our greatest aim, and let's allow love to be the one thing that not only unites us, but let's allow love to be the one thing that drives us and compels us and motivates us to reach people who are far from God, who matter to God, who are lost, and let's let God use us to show the love of Jesus to a people who desperately need to know him, amen?